Okay, so how's it going? Well, I was fine until I watched this movie. <laughs> I think that we should start at the top by just saying all the content and trigger warnings. Yeah, just I was like go- every actually, single one. I was actually going to say something. So I, I consider myself to have a fairly strong stomach when it comes to this stuff. Right. Um, I can, I can kind of handle some fucked up shit. This story is especially fucked up. So I just like, yeah, blanket trigger warning for physical assault, sexual assault, um, pregnancy loss, um, and incest. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to have some laughs along the way with this one, but wow. Yeah. It's funny because I sent you a list of like two movies we could cover this week and you were like, oh, do this one. It sounds fucked up. And you were right. (laughs) I just didn't think it would be quite that fucked up. And then I started doing the research and I finished the research in, in a few hours. Like it went pretty quickly, but I kind of got in one of those states where it was like I was tunnel visioned. So it wasn't until I finished writing everything that I like looked back at it and I was like, holy shit, Aaron has to watch this movie now. It's real bad. I finished these notes on like Wednesday. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, let's, let's have some fun, huh? (laughs) Um. Um, do we want to say anything else? Because like, I feel like I just like totally jumped right into that. (laughs) Um, yeah, so before I start, tell me about your week. Tell me something good. Tell me something fun. Um, well, I just showed you. Yeah. I printed out my letter of resignation. You sure did. And um, I'm all set to be done. Yay. And uh, I've made it official with everybody. I need to make it official. I just have to send in that letter. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to start my new my new journey. Um, You're done. I'm done. I have been writing nonstop. Yeah. That has been fun. Um, I talked with our friend Fran, who we talk about a lot on the podcast, but we have never actually, we talk about our friends a lot, but we've never talked anything about them, just that they exist kind of in some great ether. Yeah, we do Um, have friends. (laughs) But but Fran is a writer the way that I'm a writer. Yeah. And so a couple nights ago, I needed to pick her brain about something. Mm-hmm. Um, about a plot point I wanted to work out in my book, mm-hmm. but um, I just wanted to know what she thought of uh, thought of it as a writer. Um, and so when I called her, we did a like a Google Hangout, and I was um, telling her my premise, and I got to the end, and she was like, "Paul, I need this book in my life for, like right now." And then, like the charming, um, humble human being that i am Mm -hmm. i said i know and she was like you can't even say thank you (laughs) nope and i was like okay so to be fair i don't even feel like i came up with the premise of this book it just came fully delivered to my head like god was like you've been struggling for five years and you lost your last one so here yeah and so um i'm super pumped for what i'm writing and i am glad that I am giving myself an hour every day after work before I pick up little man from school yeah. to uh, to sit at 
the coffee shop and write. And it has been so good for me and my mental health. That's good. I'm so glad. I had a rough week. I've had a rough couple weeks since I got back from my trip, just trying to figure out what's next for myself. What comes next? Soon you'll see. But um, I'm going to try this week to kind of get back onto like a better um, writing schedule and things like that. Because I feel like I was doing a lot better mentally when I was doing all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just kind of therapeutic and cathartic to get it out on the page. Mm-hmm. Even if even if the things you're writing have nothing to do with what you're struggling with. Mm-hmm. And even if what you're writing is not even like... The content is not cathartic. It's just the process of writing and putting emotions down on paper and sorting through things. And I feel like I go in this kind of trance-like state, like writing is my kind of meditation. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's my time with my music and myself. And I'm exploring kind of the deepest recesses of who I am while I'm writing. Mm -hmm. And, And then it comes out on the paper in strange and unusual and exciting ways. Yeah, that's good. I just feel like when I was making time for writing and and more time for reading, um, and I mean, yeah, when I was making time for traveling, (laughs) um, I was just doing a lot better. Ever since I got back, I've been feeling really out of sorts. Um, Work has been kind of a struggle. Um, I don't know what happened. I hit kind of like a pothole at, at work, and I'm just like, oh, my God, like, it's really frustrating. So hopefully this week will be better. Well, here is to a better week, but not starting today because this week, oh, this week it's Lifetime Sentence and I'm Paul. Yeah, and I'm Erin. And Paul picked this movie. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'll, I, I'm sure. This week I watched um, Girl in the Basement. Um, yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Let's do this. So I know the case that this is about, and I I think it's really interesting how Lifetime did this because they don't take the names of the people. It's like different. It's a different family. It's a different, they all have different names. I feel like some of the storyline bits are a little bit different, but they tell the exact story of what happened very well okay um i feel like definitely That's there's what some the, more creative the elements to it seem to but they tell well. the story of what happened to this girl very very well um it actually has really good reviews on imdb i was looking at that earlier and yeah this was definitely not one that they like um got real campy and like almost silly with it's which i think is good considering the subject matter like yeah but I mean, it's, it shows a, a, it's heavy, it's rough, it's but it heavy. shows a, t- a respect that Lifetime doesn't mm-hmm. always have for the victims. Yeah. It's heavy. It's very emotional and made me very emotional. I cried several times during this movie, um, just trying like to put myself in that place. Um, but anyway, so I watched Girl in the Basement. It stars Judd Nelson. Really? Do you know who that is? I do. Oh, yay! I'm so proud. I know someone. 
I was gonna like do a little quiz where I, where I was gonna do this and make you guess. <laughs> um. Anyways, you'll know Judd Nelson from uh, Saint Elmo's Fire, The Breakfast Club, those things, right? Yes, yeah. Okay. Just making Fire. sure I think of the right person. Mm-hmm. The Breakfast Club, um, Empire, and Electric Jesus. Um, oh yeah, Electric Jesus. I watch that. Yeah, okay. all the time. Uh, Stephanie Scott, she plays Sarah. Nope. Um, she's from Insidious Chapter Three. Um, the movie Beautiful Boy. Um, a movie called Good Girls Get High, which I'm definitely going to get high and watch sometime this week. <laughs> oh, she was in Jim and the Holograms. Yes, and she also played the Moppet Girl in Wreck It Ralph. Okay, she looks a lot like Catherine McPhee to me. Yes, I can see that. She very much resembles her. Um, Jolie. Fish- oh, she was on Disney Channel also. Yeah. Um. So when you said she was in insidious chapter three, it made me think of um, Shit's Creek when she's like, you might have heard of the popular, the crows have eyes franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, pretty much. So then we have Jolie Fisher. She plays Irene, but I just call her mom. Um, She's from Inspector Gadget, The Mask, and she was on The Ellen Show. Like, the the sitcom, not the show. show. Right. Um, Emily Topper, she plays Amy. Um, She's been in Home Safe, The Chosen, and a movie called Encounters. And lastly, I include him. He does not have a big role in this movie, but I loved... This was, like, the feel-good part of the movie, and we'll get to it. Um, Jake Etheridge, he plays Chris. Um, he has been in Bones, The Dead of Night, Dakota, and the Patsy and Loretta movie that was on Lifetime last year. I didn't know he acted. Yeah. Because I um, have two or three of his albums saved in my Spotify to listen to when I'm in the right mood. Oh, cool. I didn't... I mean, he sings in the movie. Oh, does he? Yeah. If it's the same guy... Oh, let me look him up. Yeah, it looks like the same guy. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. He was on Nashville. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, in fact, okay, he popped up in my related artist to, um, oh, who are the two sisters? Uh, the Stella sisters who hmm. are on Nashville. I have the older one. I have her album saved on Spotify because it's a you have to be in the right place for it, but I really love it. And he popped up as like a recommended from that. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. So we open with a girl in the backseat of a car struggling to breathe. Another girl who actually turns out to be a woman is holding on to her face and screaming at a dude to drive the car faster. Um, They drive, but the girl stops breathing. So they get to the hospital and the man tells the still conscious girl, he's like, don't you say a word. And then we just flash back to 20 years. No, that's too long ago. Uh, (laughs) Um, I just wrote, I already don't like this. (laughs) Um, The same guy is eating with 
the girl who's younger and another lady who's apparently his wife. Um, and then the other girl's sister. And I just, again, I was like, I know where this is going. I don't want it. I don't want this. <laughs> right. I reject this. The girl gets up to go to a party, but he tells her to sit back down. She's not going anywhere. But she's like, they argue because she's like, but mom told me I could go to the party. And he's like, well, fuck you. Like, no. So um, they get in a fight and he sends her to her room. So, of course, she sneaks out to go to the party. Um, she meets her boyfriend and they ride together on his motorcycle. Mom goes up to her bedroom later. Um, her name is Sarah, the girl. And mom tries to knock on the door. But dad has the keys to the locked door, which is fucking creepy. Um, and they discover that she's not there. She snuck out. At the party, Sarah and her boyfriend dance. And then he plays her a song in the field. Like he sings her this little song. And it becomes like a thing. So Is this the feel-good moment? well there there's this one and then there's one at the end so okay i was like do we have the feel good moment in the first four minutes and then it's done because like i'm done i'm walking away um so the next morning when she gets home oh i'm sorry so he plays her song in the field and then he tells her that he loves her and the next morning when she gets home her dad is sleeping on the porch waiting for her He tells her that she can't make up her own rules and then asks about her boyfriend and whether she has permission to date him. Mm. Um, And she's like, well, as soon as I turn 18, I am leaving and I'm never coming back. And then she runs upstairs to her room and slams the door, which is just things that kids say. Yeah. Although, based on what happens, I can imagine maybe she did mean that um right okay her sister comes in to talk to her and then her mom goes in the room too and so the three of them are all laying on the bed like discussing sarah's plans and sarah's like i'm gonna go travel the world and her mom's like that's not what a plan is like (laughs) um but her dad overhears them all making um like talking about her plans to leave and travel and like go and have fun and like live her life because she's 18 and that's what 18 year olds do. Um, and he's not happy. Right. He storms down to the basement where he sits for a minute and then randomly pushes the bookshelf to the side to reveal an extra room he has there. And no, I always, I always wanted an extra room behind the bookshelf, but that's so I could read like, that's not what this room is for and i don't like it so i assumed but like so when sarah and i were shopping for houses when we got this house um which by the way we just passed the anniversary of buying this house the 31st was our anniversary of this house Um, right so uh while we were shopping for houses we looked at one that was clear across town from here and it was away from everything like all of our Mm -hmm. life so it wasn't even feasible but there were in one of the guest rooms there were bookshelves built in that were hinged and then behind the bookshelves were a reading nook and it was so cute and i was like this is my dream house but the the cost of buying that house would be like it was an hour drive for sarah's work and a 45 Mm -hmm. minute drive for my work and it just made no sense oh man yeah okay so three months later, Sarah graduates from high school. Um, later, she's on the phone with her boyfriend, Chris, and mom tells her that she's like, hey, I'm going to go to the store. Where's your dad? And Sarah's like, 
I don't know. I think he's outside. And she's like, oh, good. I've been so worried about him because he's spending too much time in the man cave, i.e. the basement. Um, she's like, what do you think he could be doing down there? And Sarah's like, I don't know, mom. Why don't you go look? And the mom laughs and is like, no, he says there's rats down there and I don't like rats. And I just wrote, so A, if you have rats, call an exterminator. And two, right. please, God, go look in the basement, girl. <laughs> right? So mom heads off to the store. Dad watches her leave and then goes inside and tells Sarah he needs her help. I don't like it. He has her help him carry something down to the basement and into the secret room that is supposedly a bomb shelter. He asks her if she likes it, and she's like, no, not really. It's kind of creepy down here. And he's like, oh, well, that's too bad. And he locks her in the room. No. She screams for help, but of course, no one can hear her. Um, That's not how man caves work, by the way, in case you're wondering. Also, I think man caves are stupid. Same. Um, So he rolls the shelf back in place and goes upstairs. Um, He did leave her with a box that has a flashlight and some clothes um that she helped oh, him carry down there so, so that would be nice if it wasn't that you know he just locked her in the basement so the mom and sister immediately get worried and call the police we cut back to sarah screaming in the basement and the words day one flash up on the screen so that if they have to put a timer it's no good so that's just great um she tries to get out but for a while. Um, by day four, she's just sitting in the corner. Her father comes down and she rushes past him to try to get out, but he locked the other door behind him. He tells her he can, she can scream as much as she wants, but no one can hear her. He tells her that life is a series of interactions, choices and consequences. She chose to be disrespectful and this is her consequence. Mm, listen, so that's not how it works. He tells her everything that happens now is going to be at his discretion. And then he rapes her. Um, I just can't. I can't. Okay, continue. And in this movie, and I don't know if this is what happened in the real case, but in this movie, all of this, like he is raping his daughter in the basement while the police are upstairs working on a missing persons report with his wife. I I think that is a little Hollywoodized. That's a little editorialized, but, but it's a, like, it's not far from accurate. Ugh, it's so bad. Okay. Um. So the father, who first of all I call him by his first name, and then later in the movie he decides he wants to be called by his first name, so I refuse to call him that either. I mostly just call him Guy. What's his face, etc. For the rest of this movie. So good. <laughs> um. So he tells the officer, you know, after he comes back upstairs while they're working on the report that Sarah just runs off a lot and some of her stuff was missing. And the officer's like, well, usually these situations just resolve themselves. And I was like, no, can we we cancel that idea? Yes. Right. So like I'm in the middle of someone knows something season three. I love someone knows something, Mm -hmm. but I had like. I have to be in the exact right headspace for it because for so many reasons. But like the the first season, that Jacob Wetterling case was 
Oh, it still haunts horrible. me. Horrible. But also, they caught the guy, so, you know. Um, yeah. Wait. They caught someone? Jacob Wetterling? Yeah, they caught him, like, while the season was airing. I thought that was the little boy in the lake. Are you thinking of someone knows something? Are you thinking of, um... There's another one. Someone knows something is the one I'm listening it's to. The the boy in the lake. It's the little boy in the lake. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't Jacob Wetterling. Then I'm thinking of something else. No. Okay. Yeah, no, that little um, boy. I think that little boy drowned. I think so too. But um, the Jacob Wetterling was in the dark. Yeah. Oh, that's right. In the dark. Okay. Um, Sorry. I get the, all the... Do you know how many okay. podcasts I listen to? <laughs> oh, yeah. No. But um, so one of the things is the the young woman who went missing in the third season, the police were like, well, we're not really going to pursue it seriously for 48 hours because girls just run away and then come back. No, they don't. Like, no, no. They, how about you just go look? And if she comes back, then it's like, Oh shit. We didn't play solitaire at our desks for two days. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. So, so Sarah's downstairs all beat up thinking about Chris, her boyfriend. And she flashes back to a time when they laid in the field and made all their, you know, they made all their plans right about each other. Right. And so she's sitting in the basement and and she starts singing the song that he wrote for her. Oh, so sad. And this, she does this a lot throughout the years. Um, years um i don't i don't like it chris stops by the house looking for sarah and um her father tells him that sarah ran off with a guy named steve okay and you know what that sounds like some susan cox powell fucking bullshit nonsense right um, Chris rides off on his motorcycle and mom comes running outside asking if anyone had news about Sarah. So Don's like, ah, hello, as soon as I hear something, you will be the first person I tell. So just like calm down. It's fine. <sighs> he brings Sarah some supplies, including a birthday cake. He makes her blow out the candle. <sighs> it's so gross. He also bought her a gift. Oh, what a sweetheart. Lingerie. That's not a gift you buy your daughter? Oh, what? He's already been doing stuff to her that you don't do to you. Now I know. Okay. Um, He asks her to pick something she wants, and she's like, well, I want to get out of here. And he's like, it's a little early for that. And she's like, well, I'd really like a TV. And he's like, mm, no. So she's like, can I at least have a clock so I know how much time is passing? So he buys her a clock. I like how he's like, pick whatever you want, except not that. Yeah. So, which is also me as a parent. Like, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's not compare yourself as a parent to this. No, dude, okay. Like, no, not that. Fun. But insofar as like, you can pick anything you want, except for most of the things that you just said you wanted. Mm-hmm. You want this pencil? That's what you meant. You wanted great things. So one day he brings Sarah a can of tuna fish, and she makes a shiv out of it like everyone would yeah so she tries to attack him but he stops her and takes it from her and then he rapes her 
telling her that this is what happens to ungrateful little girls. And that's no, that's not, no, no. Um, so time passes and now it's day 354. That's too many days. Oh, also Sarah's very, very pregnant. That's also not okay. Her water breaks and she gives birth alone in a dirty basement. No. She calls the baby Marie. Um, what's his butt comes down and surveys the baby saying that motherhood is the best thing that can ever happen to a woman. And then he tells her, you're welcome. Uh, hey, mm, no. <laughs> and also, fuck you. Yeah. And also, like, you can, you can fuck as far off as the eye can see. For real. And then, and then once you get there, just keep fucking off after that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> then he tells her to get up and put the groceries away. I almost, I almost just threw up everywhere. Um, so we fast forward again. We're now in year four. Uh, Mom is sitting in Sarah's bedroom crying. Sarah and Marie are downstairs with, uh, you know, who's it talking about his new promotion. <clears throat> and I just, I just like, this is so fucking like the whole, it's so sick. It's so disgusting. Like I can't like, Oh my God. Um, Sarah's pregnant again, and she's telling him how happy she is for him, like, with his promotion. Marie draws him a picture, but he's not impressed because he's a fucking asshole. Um, Sarah tells him that at this point it's not too late and he can still let them out of the basement. And he gets all mad and yells about how he just wants to come home at the end of the day and relax with his twisted, fucked up side family that he keeps in the basement. Okay? I've never been so mad that I almost threw up before, but, like, I legitimately almost rage puked. Like... Is that a oh. thing? Do people rage yeah, you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, when he goes upstairs, mom asks if his promotion comes with a raise because she wants to hire a private investigator. He shoots that down, saying that he's not wasting any more money on Sarah, and then points to his other daughter, Amy, and says, we have a daughter right here. And then he storms out because that's a valid argument. You know, that's why you have an heir and a spare. That's God. Right. So for Christmas, he gets Sarah and Marie a TV. Um, Marie, who has never seen a television before because she lives in a basement, asks what it is. And Sarah says it's their window to the outside. And then they watch cartoons. We flash forward again. It's now been seven years. Nope. Nope. I reject that. Marie is very sick. Um, the guy brings them some adult medicine. And when Sarah's like, what am I supposed to do with this? She's a kid. You fucking idiot. He's like, you and your sister used to get uh, sick and your mom handled it. And she's like, yeah, by taking us to the doctor. Moms are <laughs> magical. Don't you know? Like. But he just tells her, can't you're you the mother kiss, now. Can't you just kiss her boo-boo and make it better? 
her son that she has now starts to cry because they're fighting. Um, Marie thankfully gets better and asks mom for a story. So she tells her a story about a good Prince Christopher. That's her boyfriend from high school. Oh, who and the fairy princess um, and how the fairy princess was locked in a dungeon by a, you know, a, the, the evil, whatever. And then she sings in the song that he, he wrote for her. So now keep in mind, it's been seven years since she disappeared. Yeah. Chris shows up outside their house and runs into Amy. Her sister. Uh-huh. He asks about Steve and Sarah and Amy's like, what are you talking about? She's like, I don't know. Who is that? So um, meanwhile, downstairs, Sarah is pregnant again. Marie has developed an attitude because she'd like to go outside and do things like a normal kid. So um, back up in the real world, Amy and Chris go on a walk and talk about Sarah. And Amy confesses that sometimes she thinks her dad did something to her. And they hug. Um, So since Marie had had a little attitude earlier, Sarah makes up a game for her, Marie, and Michael, the little boy. Um, Right. It's so fucking cute, and I hate you just a little for making me watch this movie. Um, so, they're like, she makes up this little game where they're like in a jungle. So they all have flashlights, and um, she's like, "Oh, it's a waterfall!" And like, she sprays them with water, like from the sink. It's very cute. Like, um, upstairs, Amy and Mom confront what's his ass with the ridiculous nonsense lie that he told Chris about some dude named Steve. Amy asks if she did, if he did something to Sarah and mom is like, fuck you. I'm hiring a private investigator with my own money. I'm going to get a job and pay for it myself. So he's all pissed and crazy. And she's like, she gets in his face and she's like, what you want to break something? I'll break something for you. And she like, she like starts breaking all the shit. Like, in their house. I love it. <laughs> out crazy to crazy. Like, yeah. I just wrote, I hope she sets him on fire. Um, (laughs) So in all the hubbub, he drops his keys. Amy picks them up and goes snooping in the basement. And this movie is barely half over, so I know she's not going to find her, but she's so close. She's so close to her. Oh. Sarah is in labor again. Um, Amy finds a box and starts to go through it, but he catches her. And he's like, oh, what do you think that I hid your sister down here? And then he screams at her to get out. Um, so Sarah has her baby. He comes in and he's like, what are we calling this one? Ew. Um, Sarah has named him Thomas. And he's like, he looks like my father. I hate that guy. Oh, must run into family. Yeah. Sarah puts the baby down and starts rubbing his shoulders. She tells him that he could take the baby upstairs and he asks her what kind of mother she thinks she, he's like, Oh, you're such a bad mother for wanting your kid to have a normal life. But Sarah's gotten good at this. And she says, if he takes the baby upstairs, she will have more time to take care of him whenever he deigns to come down and spend time with them. So gross. Which like oh, is gross, like but also Sarah. he's a narcissist. He's a right, huge like, narcissist. So it works. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he, he takes the baby and leaves him on the doorstep for his wife to find pinned to the blanket is a note from Sarah asking her to take care of him. 
Sarah had tried to hide another note under a piece of paper or hide another piece of paper under the baby um, saying where she is, but he finds it instead of her mom. So he goes downstairs and is like, put on your lingerie. And I was like, God, that's so gross. Like, ew. Yeah, every I'm going to walk away. You finish this movie. Mm-hmm. Text me no. when you're finished. I'll be back. So Marie voiceovers voiceovers a story about their life, and we see them playing space and putting on puppet shows. And Marie is putting on a puppet show, and she pops out from behind the thing, and she's fucking like 14 years old. Great. I hate everything. Um, Marie starts playing with makeup, and uh, what's his name tells her like how very beautiful she is. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. Um, so Sarah, meanwhile, is pregnant again. And she like steps between the two of them. And she's like, don't you dare fucking touch her. It's good for her. Good. Um, so he leaves the room and shuts off the power, which is how they get air down there. So awesome. Marie cries to her mom later that she's never met anyone and she doesn't know anyone. And what if she never meets another person in her whole life? Sarah tells her to be patient. Marie finally asks how Sarah met, you know who, and she just says that she's known him almost her whole life. And Marie just like out of the mouth of babes, I'm telling you, looks at her and she goes, you know, when we get out of here, you should probably consider getting a divorce. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Um, work on that. It's now year 17 and it's raining. Sarah is pregnant again and the basement starts leaking. Thomas is like a fully grown adult now. Um, So Sarah pushes the dresser against the wall and climbs up to where the water is coming in from the ceiling. Upstairs, Thomas and mom are talking about Sarah, and Sarah finds downstairs that she can dig through the wet ceiling so she gets to work. Okay. Later that night, she shines a flashlight up through the hole, and a guy walking his dog sees, and so he goes and knocks on the front door. No! That's exactly what I said. I was like, dude, no. So he... um. The dad answers the door and he's like, hey, um, there's a flashing light. Like, I just wanted to let you know. Um, Cool. So um, he goes downstairs and beats the shit out of Sarah. While he's doing this, he wakes up Marie, who begs him to stop. Um, Unfortunately, the beating makes her have a miscarriage. No, no. Everything is canceled. So what's his ass takes the dead baby and buries it in the backyard. Can I just say that that's kinder than what happened in real life? Thank God. Um, it's now year 18 and he comes in and brings Michael a baseball glove. Sarah is not in a good mood. Apparently we should all be feeling sorry for him though, because people are getting laid off left and right. Sarah asks after Thomas and he says that he's great. He wants to play baseball and football and he eats like a wild animal. The kids say they want to get out and he tells them that that's all up to Sarah when she can learn to behave. No. So later, Sarah, Marie, and Michael all get in a fight because they all went out of the basement. Um, the kids scream at her that this is her fault. Um, and she loses it. She like goes absolutely berserk and breaks everything. And then she falls on the floor sobbing. 
I don't blame her a little bit. Like, um, she finally falls asleep and the kids cover her up and fix up the basement again. When she wakes up, they apologize to her. And for some reason, she's like talking about that, like about something. And she mentions Amy and her kids are like, uh, who's Amy? So Sarah finally sits them down and tells them the truth about how in the story that she tells them that she's the fairy princess and well, what's his face? is actually her father. Surprise! Mm-hmm. Even these kids realize how fucked up this is. Marie starts having an asthma attack. Michael asks what's wrong with them, and she assures him that nothing is wrong with them at all. It's all the dad. It's all him. There's nothing wrong with the kids. Um, it's now year 19. He brings them not enough food. He tells Sarah she looks like hell, and Michael tells him to shut up. Um, he gets in Michael's face and he's like, oh, what are you going to do? So Michael freaking flies across the room and tries to hit him. Good. Yeah. Um, so, um, but Sarah like holds him back and whatever. Unfortunately, so-and-so gets fired from his job. Let's all mourn. Um, he and mom. My heart is breaking. Yeah. He and mom start fighting more and more. They're going to foreclose on the house, and that's not good, considering he has an entire other family living in the basement. Um, Sarah tries to figure out a way out, but she's unsuccessful. So one night, while he's trying to figure out his problems, he sticks one end of a hose to his exhaust and the other to the ventilation system in the basement. And no. I guess he's going to kill them all, which is just great. Um, What a gem. Thomas thankfully interrupts him and asks what he's doing. What's his butt starts rambling about choices and consequences and how sometimes you make bad choices and he's just trying to figure it all out. They hug and he goes downstairs to find out that everyone is still alive and asleep. Now it's year 20 and Marie is really, really sick and needs a doctor. Upstairs, the rest of the family is having a barbecue to celebrate Thomas's baseball game. Down in hell, Michael is destroying shit because so-and-so didn't show up after the game to check on them like he was supposed to. Finally, that night, he comes downstairs. Marie is, like, actively dying, and he does not care. Finally, um, Sarah starts begging. She's like, and it's crazy, because the whole movie, she calls him Dawn. um, But she's, like, begging, and she's like, please, Dad, please, Dad. Wow. Um, And... She's like, I promise I won't say anything. So he finally acquiesces and they go to the hospital. But he leaves Michael saying that he'll die down there and no one will ever find him if Sarah fucks this up. So Sarah leaves the basement for the first time in 20 years. And we are back to the opening scene. Marie flatlines and they use the paddles to um, revive her. Um, She's in middle... She's in critical condition, but of course they don't have any medical history. So the nurse brings them a bunch of paperwork to fill out. Um, She looks suspicious, but not suspicious enough considering that there's like an unvaccinated, un uh, like child that has never been in any system ever. um, Right. That's like dying in their emergency room. So, um, um, Sarah just stares at the clock and she's like, hey, why don't you update your contact info and I'll send the doctor down. Um, 
So Sarah is like thinking, she's trying to figure out like what to do. She spills water on the paper that he has to fill out. And so he gets up to go to the front desk to get another one, another one telling her to stay right there. So Sarah, naturally she stays right there. So she immediately gets up and runs over to the nurse. He sees her and starts rushing after her. He calls out Sarah right as she runs up to the nurse who is thankfully talking to a security guard. She just says, I need help and collapses in the nurse's arms. Wow. The guy goes to leave, but the officer stops him and asks for a word. Sarah goes to sit by Marie's bedside. Marie wakes up and Sarah assures them, assures her that they are safe. Um, Dawn is in jail. They're okay. And it's all over. The police go to the house and bring a shaken and terrified Michael out of the basement while mom and Thomas just stand on the porch like what the actual fuck is happening. And we cut to Marie, Thomas and Michael playing soccer in the yard while Sarah, her mom and Amy all watch. And are you ready for the feel good moment? (laughs) Yes. Yes, I am. Because someone pulls up on a motorcycle. It's Chris. No. He takes her on a picnic in a field. He cries and apologizes for believing the stupid story that her dad told him and not coming to find her. She tells him that she thought about him every day for 20 years and it's so good to see him. He gives her her graduation gift that he has just been holding on to for 20 years. It's a pink it's a pink glittery motorcycle helmet and he asks her to go for a ride and she's like hell yes and she's happy and he's happy and the guy is unhappy. Um, in my head, he's in a in a basement prison. I don't know if that's a thing, but I hope it is. <laughs> they make one just for him. <laughs> um, they show the information for Rain, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, which is 1-800-656-HOPE or 4357 or org, And that is the end. I'm so glad that they pulled it together with a happy ending. Yeah. I can't give you the same courtesy. Yeah. All right. So at the top, my sources are um, Wikipedia, of course. Um, Medium.com had a really good article. Um, The Independent and then Distractify all had really good things. So on April 26, 2008, a woman shows up at Amstetten Hospital in Amstetten, Austria, asking to see her 19-year-old daughter, Kirsten, who'd been taken there by her father earlier that week. When hospital staff see her, they're immediately suspicious of her arrival and alert the police. Mm -hmm. That night, she's detained and questioned by police about her daughter's illness and her father's story, and it's during this interrogation that she admits that her name is Elizabeth Fritzel, and she has been imprisoned for 24 years, held captive in a basement where she was raped by her father, who fathered her three children, Kirsten, who was 19, Stefan, who was 17, and Fritz, who was five. God. So, um, so after completing her compulsory education at the age of 15, Elizabeth started a course to become a waitress. In January of 1983, she ran away from home and went into hiding in Vienna with a friend from work. Mm -hmm. She was found by the police within three weeks and returned to her parents. She rejoined her... Yep. 
she rejoined her waitress course, finished it in mid-1984, and was offered a job in nearby Linz. The nightmare started on, 19, on August 28, 1984, when Elizabeth was 18 years old and vanished from her house. Mm-hmm. Her mother, Rosemarie, made a report about the loss to local police, and for weeks there was no news of Elizabeth's discovery. Suddenly, her parents received a letter from Elizabeth. Um, and then I literally wrote the same thing I'd already written. So, um, so her father and the police, uh, the letter. Oh, here it is. Okay, her father Joseph Fritzel told police that um, he didn't know where Elizabeth had gone, but he told her son. He told his son that she might join a religious group because Elizabeth had told him that before. Um, mm-hmm. And then he also managed to produce a letter from Elizabeth that said she was running away and not to come looking for her. Great. Um, so, um, but in fact, Joseph knew exactly where his daughter was. Elizabeth was in the basement, 20 feet under the house where they lived. So, um, on that day, August 28th, 1984, Joseph called his daughter to the basement of their home. He was installing a new door to the newly renovated basement, and he said he needed help to, um, to hang it. So, Elizabeth helped her father install the door. Um, he had her holding it from the, the backside. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, um, so he slammed the door shut and locked her, and, um... So it's described as a basement, but for it's my understanding that it's more like a cellar, that it's yeah. steep stairs going basically straight up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, so he locks her in this cellar. Um, and then he came down behind her. He cupped his, her face with a towel until she passed out. And for 24 years, all, is, all Elizabeth could see was a dirty basement. Um, her father continually lied to her mother and the police about her disappearance. However, police investigation found a dead end um, until the disappearance of Elizabeth was no longer the view of the community. What the Fritzel family knew, Joseph, what they did know was that Joseph would be in the basement at 9 a.m. every day to make a plan for some machine that he was selling. Sometimes he would spend the night in the room, but his wife suspected nothing. She said that he was a hard worker and he was dedicated. Um, well, I mean, and on the, on the scale of like suspiciousness, whatever. Right. Like, like no wife is going to immediately jump to my husband is keeping someone in the basement and that's why he's always down there. Right. Like that. <laughs> Because but, that shit doesn't happen. But here's the thing: is like also, I, this room that I sit and record in every day is my room. Like it mm-hmm. is known to Sarah, is in the little man as my room. Mm-hmm. But they they can come in, they can look at it. Well, totally, yeah. That you know, like you can you can open the door. It's yeah, here. This is my office, but I mean, yeah. I, I haven't said there are rats. That you, I, I so. show I show people my office when they want to come see the house, and I <laughs> yeah, like it's not like I lock the door and like act all fucking weird about it. But, you right. Know, it's also a basement. Like, I feel like maybe because it was in the house already, you know, that is probably the most foregone 
conclusion is right. like, oh, he's like trapped someone down there and that's what he's doing down there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's annoying. The idea that he would sleep down there because he was working so hard on his machine. And I know the hindsight is twenty twenty, but also like I don't know that I've ever been so caught up that I didn't want to go sleep in my bed because my bed is way more comfortable than like slouched over a table. Mm-hmm. Um especially if it's already in the house. Like it'd be different if he slept at his office. Yeah. Because it's it, you didn't want to drive home at two in the morning or whatever, but it's like, dude, just climb some stairs. So anyway, I'm not judging his wife. I do just find like that police didn't investigate this right further drives me insane. Yeah. Um, so Joseph Fritzel was born April 9th, 1935 in Amstetten to Joseph Fritzel Sr. and Maria Fritzel. He was an only child and his father deserted his family when Joseph Jr. was four years old and he never contacted them again. The next time they heard from his father was in 1944 when Fritzold Sr. was killed in action in World War II. Um, and his name can actually be found on a memorial plaque in Elmstetten today. Okay. Um, in 1956, at the age of 21, Fritzel married Rosemarie, who was 17. Together, they had two sons and five daughters. In wow. 1967, okay. yeah. So in 1967, Fritzel broke into the home of a 24-year-old nurse while her husband was away and raped her while holding a knife to her throat and threatening to kill her if she screamed. Oh, no, that's going to be a no from me. Uh Uh-huh. According to a 1967 report and a press release from the same year, he was also named a suspect in an attempted rape case of a 21-year-old woman um, and was known for indecent exposure. So, you know, just a real stand-up guy. Okay, so um, he's like literally he a sexual was- predator. So, uh-huh. I, yeah, I feel like if I was the wife at that point, I would be checking out the basement. Yeah. Um, the, the, let's see. So he was arrested and served 12 months of an 18-month prison sentence. Um, so following Austrian law, his record was expunged after 15 years because I don't know if their law is still the same, but at the time... Um, even for sexual crimes, if you serve your time and then you don't commit any further crimes for 15 years, then your record just goes away. Like, like never happened. I have mixed feelings about that, but uh-huh. for some things I get it. I feel like sexual assault, murder, things like that would be a little bit different. Well, well, yeah. well, so he was, he was 37 during this, like. I feel like at 37, that should be a lifelong charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes I think like 17, 18, 19, maybe there could be depending on, depending on lots of factors, because I don't mm-hmm. want to just forgive aggravated sexual assault by any means, no. but, no. Um, but like at 37, you have no excuse that yeah, needs to no, stick with you for life. Um, so as a result, more than 25 years later, when he applied to adopt and or foster Elizabeth's children, and I'll talk about that later, the local service authorities did not discover his criminal history. But that also means that police didn't have a way to know that he had a history of sexual predation, that they should look into him further. So is he not her biological father? He is. 
but all the reports refer to the children as Elizabeth's children because they wind up actually having five or six children together that survive. I have them all listed in here. Three of them, he sneaks into the home and he goes through, through child services and becomes their foster parent. Mm-hmm. But That's yeah, I too, yeah. To my understanding, he is Elizabeth's biological father. So, after completing his education at a technical college and qualifying as an electrical engineer, he obtains a job um, in Linz. And so, from 1969 to 1971, he had a job in a construction material firm in Amstetten. And he later becomes a technical equipment salesman traveling throughout Austria. So he retires from active employment when he turns 60 in 1995, but he Mm -hmm. continues some commercial activities. And so that's the like secret machine that he's building. He does have some other like commercial sources of income that he's got. Plus his building, like it seems like he owns the building and he rents out some of the space in the building to apartment, like as apartments. And then his family lives on the top floor. Okay. Um, so in addition to his apartment building in Amstetten, he rents out several other properties as well. Um, in 1972, he purchases a guest house, um, and then, uh, and a campsite at a lake and he runs it with his wife until 1996. Um, and all the while, all this is going on, his daughter is locked in the basement. So... Two, two years into Elizabeth's imprisonment, she realized that she was pregnant, um, although she miscarried at 10 weeks. Oh, me. So then another two years later, she becomes pregnant and gives birth in August of 1988 to a baby girl she named Kirsten. Mm. Two years later, another baby, bo- another baby was born, a boy she named Stefan. Um, mm-hmm. Kirsten and Stefan remain in the basement with Elizabeth until adulthood and like until she is discovered and all three are given weekly rations of water and food from the ever generous joseph because he is gracious and kind stand-up guy really right a pillar of the community if you will so like i said elizabeth only went through school went to school through 15 so um she didn't have like a complete high school education she had as far as was legally required um, but she did not go to like the pre, um, university program. Um, so she worked her hardest to teach her children the basic education that she had. She said that she worked really hard to give them as normal a life as possible, considering they were locked in a cellar without, you know, daylight or sure, like yeah. consistent source of food or, you know, medical right. care. Um, but she really did try everything like in the movie to give them a kind of normal existence to the that best was kind of, I, I think that to me was more was almost the most painful part of the movie was how she's raising these kids in the dark and but she's doing so much to give them like as normal of a life as possible and that right. is just like it that fucking got me man like it hurt physically right um, so over the next few years, Elizabeth gives birth to five more children. Another one was, 
Another one was made to stay in the basement with her. One died shortly after birth, and then Joseph brought three of them to live upstairs with Rosemary and himself. Um, and I will talk about that because I'm going to skip this. Uh, and Rosemary, meanwhile, was unaware of anything that was going on inside her own house, at least according to her testimony. And I believe her because they did they did do a lot of interviewing and the whole family has gone through a lot of therapy since then so like something would have come out i think at this point too that if he's doing that to his daughter that that she was not enough maybe she was being abused too right as i was about to say like she's being victimized by him as well yeah right so well clearly it's not a one and done he has a whole history that they just were like "Mm, yeah let's hit delete on that what I mean is, like, if he's abusing his 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 other family, <laughs> right? He's probably um, abusing his wife too, right? So, however, Joseph didn't just show up with children in hand to surprise Rosemary. Instead, he would like place them in the bushes or on their doorstep with a note that he forced Elizabeth to write. Right. Um, oh, yes. Like he think they do in the movie. Uh huh. So he forced her to write that she had only, quote, stopped by to dump her newborn baby at their doorstep. Yeah, this happens. So in the movie, and it was so poignant. So in the movie, like he leaves the basket right of the with the baby in it outside the front door, waits for the baby to cry or whatever to, you know, grab the attention of his wife. But she she reads the note and like there's his reaction where he's like oh she dumped this baby you know whatever and then hers is like her reaction is like she was here she was right like she was here yeah yeah and it was so sad um so these notes said that she could not care for the babies and asked her parents to care for them instead instead so austrian social services read the letters and they're like well that checks out Mm -hmm. and they were allowed to live with Joseph. Um, and then the medium article that I read took this opportunity to say, quote, but on the bright side, Elizabeth's three children who live with their grandmother lead normal lives. So I kind of got twisted up in this too. So if my child was missing and I've been trying to find her for years and then someday or one day, a baby just shows up on my doorstep that is supposedly my child's baby. And I've been trying to find her. I'm going to be a fucking crazy bitch and try to get D- like get a DNA test and try to figure out like who the father is so I can try to find uh-huh. my daughter. And I'm like, how is, how is this not happening? I guess it was the 80s, well, but... Well, it was the 80s, and so it was a lot harder, 80s and 90s. And then also, like you mentioned, if Joseph is, you know, just such a sweet, caring angel, then chances are that he is controlling every step of Rosemary's life, too. That she couldn't have gotten away ever. I just just, can't imagine not seeing my child. You know, I don't know. Um. So social services never questioned letting the Fritzel family look after, look after them like their own children. They, um, they believed that Rosemary and Joseph were the grandparents. Um, there was never like a DNA test. All they had to go off of was the note. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, 
Let's see. According to Joseph's confession, Elizabeth believed she would never get through the door because she would get elect- electrocuted and died if the, if any of them tried to escape. Um, and so here is the list of like big events that happened while she was in the cellar. So on August 30th, 1988, that was four years into her captivity. Kirsten was born. Um, she lived in the cellar with Elizabeth until 2008. On February 1st, 1990, Stefan was born. He also lived in the cellar with Elizabeth until 2008. On he's August... my sister's age. Yeah. My sister was born in 1990. Well, like Kirsten was born just a few months after me. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was not born yet. <laughs> just kidding. Right. Was, but, um, God damn it. Oh on August God. 29th, 1992, Lisa was born. On May of 1993, um, at nine months old, she was discovered outside the family home in a cardboard box, allegedly left there by Elizabeth with a note asking for the child to be looked after. On February 26, 1994, Monica was born. In December of that year, at 10 months old, she was found in a stroller outside of the house. Shortly afterward, Rosemarie received a phone call from Elizabeth, which was later suspected to be a recording that Joseph had made. Um, which talk about just the, like the psychological, psychological torture this poor Rosemarie went through with this. Um, so Rosemarie went, <coughs> here's, okay. Here's the part where I'm like, how didn't a single person click any of these Legos together? Sure. Rosemarie called the police and while they were interviewing her about it, she even remarked how crazy it was that Elizabeth was able to find their new unlisted phone number. I'm going to break something. Uh-huh. Jesus, fuck. Fuck! Okay. So, um, following Monica's birth in 1994, Fritzel allowed the enlargement of the prison from 35 square meters to 55 square meters so that's a, from about 380 square foot to 590 square foot that's plenty of room for all those kids yeah uh-huh um but for that to happen elizabeth and the children had to dig the soil out with their bare hands <sighs> this guy's dead now right um, I don't think he, I don't think he's dead, but he was feeling real bad at the last report I got. Great. Um, I hope he continues to feel <laughs> horrible. Yes. Um, the captives had a television, a radio, and a video cassette <coughs> player. Great. Food, food could be stored in a refrigerator and cooked or heated on hot plates. And Elizabeth taught the children to read and write. At times, Fritzel would punish them by shutting off their lights and refusing to deliver food for them for days on end. I just can't imagine being a child and thinking like this is reality. This is like how life is. Right. They didn't know anything else. Oh my God. On April 28th, 1996, Elizabeth gives birth to twin boys. One of them died at three days old because he had some lung problems. Um, and I mentioned that his As body was disposed are of. To do. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I just will say that it was horrible and I can't go into the details. Cool. Thank <laughs> you for sparing me that. I You're don't want to know. 
the surviving twin, Alexander, is taken upstairs at 15 months old, and he's also discovered outside of the house with a note. So, Fritzel told, I mentioned this before, but Fritzel told Elizabeth and the three children who remained, Kristen, Stefan, and Felix, who um, was born in 2003, um, that they would be gassed or electrocuted if they tried to escape. Investigators did conclude that this was an empty threat because there was no gas supply to the basement. Who is doing this to children? Uh-huh. Why? Why? Um, so according to Fritzl's sister-in-law, Christine, he went into the basement every morning at nine, ostensibly to draw plans for machines that he sold to firms. Um, he stayed there for the night and did not allow his wife to bring him coffee. And a tenant who rented a ground floor room in the house for 12 years claimed to hear noises from the basement. But Fritzl said those were just faulty pipes. Because everyone knows that faulty pipes sound like people screaming for help. Totally. That's what my so, pipes sound like. Right. So this went on for 24 years until one day in 2008, Kirsten fell ill. So on the 19th, April 19th, 2008, um, Fritzl agreed to seek medical attention for Kirsten. This is where we opened. Um, mm-hmm. Because she had fallen unconscious. So it wasn't like she was a little sick. Like, she fell unconscious. Oh, no. Um, like, in the movie, like, the girl in the movie, Marie, she was actively, like, very much dying. Yeah. Um, so, I mean. And at first. Like, the, she was still conscious, and at first the dad was like, oh, well, like, guess she's gonna die. Like, what? This is what the dad comes down with children's Tylenol and was like, I got the right medicine this time. She's like, thanks. She's fucking 15 now. <sighs> Dumb fucker. God Nine, damn it. 19. I hate it. 19. <sighs> so, Elizabeth helps him carry Kirsten out of the chamber. Um, and that was the first time that she'd seen the sun or the outside world in 24 years. Oh my God. He forced her to return to the chamber. Do you know how she... fucking hard quarantine was? Uh, uh-huh. That's like. Uh-huh. Unreal. Um, oh my God. I'm going to cry. Like, oh my God. So he, after she saw the sun, he then made her go back into the chamber for another week. Um. So she well, was also, taken... like that would be so bad for you, right? At that point for your eyes. Yeah, she had to go through lots of like light therapy yeah. after this. Um so Kirsten was taken by ambul- ambulance to a local hospital in Amstetten and was admitted in critical condition with a life-threatening kidney failure. Oh my god. Um Fritzel later arrived to the hospital claiming to have found a note written by Kirsten's mother. So basically, they dropped Kirsten's body in the bushes. Like, I don't mean to laugh, but he was like, listen, this worked for all of those, like, this 9 to 13 my, month olds. This worked so, on my wife. Will it work on you? <laughs> I, found a, I found a body in the bushes with a note, and we got to fix it. Like, um, so he discussed Kirsten's condition in the note with a doctor named Albert Ryder. Mm-hmm. Um, so medical staff found aspects of Fritzl's stories story puzzling. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so they call the police like as soon as Fritzl leaves. Like 
he's like, so um, this is apparently my granddaughter. I had no idea she existed. Here's a letter written by her mom. Um, I think she's, I, I think she's just got a headache. It might this be her is, time of the this month. This is legit. This is legit. It's, it's, it's probably just her time of the month. But like, yeah. could you look at it? I'm and gonna so go to, like, I'm gonna go get some tampons over at CVS. I'll be back. Right. Right. So the minute he walks out, they're like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, that sounds great. We're just going to do, we're going to do period things on her. That's what we do at hospitals. And then they picked up the phone and called police like immediately. Well, and here's the thing. Were they, expe- was he expecting her to like wake up out of her coma when she survives and be like, oh yeah, I don't live in a basement. Right. This is normal. Come Like, dude, think, think. Right. So. Um, when police hear this, they, they're like, huh, you know, I remember him being part of an unsolved case that we just gave up on. Yeah. He finds a lot of kids in bushes, that one. It's really weird. Now that I think about it, that's pretty weird. (laughs) I think four is too many kids to be in bushes. (laughs) (laughs) When we put this all together, it looks very suspicious. God damn it. I hate people. So the police reopened their investigation into Elizabeth's disappearance. Thank God. So um, they call Fritzel up and they're like, listen, so we heard that um, we heard about your granddaughter. We're we're sorry. Right. Congrats. Congrats And we're we're sorry Sorry that she might be dying. Yeah. Right. Um, listen, tell us about Elizabeth again. And he's like, Well, remember she's in a cult. I told you that. And then he's like, Oh, she sent me a new letter. But they're like, Did I oh, but we don't know anything about a cult that randomly drops off babies on in bushes. <laughs> and then he's like, Did I forget to tell you she wrote me another letter? Oh, how crazy. This one came in January. I've just been holding on to it. So weird. And he so he had her write a letter and then he drove to another town to mail it to himself so it was postmarked from the town of Kamatan. Um mm-hmm. so the police contact uh an official who's an expert on cults and they're like, So um this guy says that his daughter ran away to join a cult that's known for dropping kids off in bushes and leaving notes. And yeah. the church official who's the expert on cults is like, bro, that's not a thing. They were like, Warren Jeffs? Is that in Austria? <laughs> <laughs> so, that, guy, um, that guy gets everywhere, doesn't he? And then he's like, wait, did he, did he say that, that she talks about the cults in the letter? And they're like, yeah. And he's like, well, can I read the letters? So he reads the letters and he's like, do these not sound ridiculous to you? They sound dictated. Like nobody speaks like this. It sounds like he, this poor girl just wrote verbatim what someone else told her to write. And the police police are like, are "Are you trying to do our job for us? We don't like that. We like to do Listen, our job really poorly ourselves. Right. We have been not doing our jobs for a long time. Don't you dare come in here and make us look worse than we already made ourselves. Dare you. Audacity. So, so Elizabeth pleads with Fritzel to be taken to the hospital. 
So on the 26th of April, he releases her from the cellar along with Stefan and Felix and brings them upstairs. And she's like, bye, bitch. <laughs> she leaves. Right. He and Elizabeth go to the hospital where Kirsten was being treated on April, like on that day. Um, and the doctor that he discussed things with, Albert Ryder, happens to be there and sees sees Joseph and then sees Elizabeth and he calls police before like they even make it really on the grounds. Yeah. And so police meet them on the grounds and take them to the police station for questioning. Thank you. God. So, I mean, it only took them 24 fucking years to do their job. Right. It took a priest and a doctor to do the police's job. Like mm. um so Elizabeth literally when she walks into the interrogation she says I will not give you any information until you promise me that I will never have to see him again yep like that's her opening statement so they to their credit they do promise her that and they hold that promise like she doesn't even have to appear in the trial against him later that's good Um, because I feel like a lot of times people do that and then the cops are like but also we need you to testify yeah like he's gonna be there they're able to record her testimony and good. present that in court instead. That's good. So um, over the next two hours, she tells the story of her 24 years in cap- captivity. God, she tells police that Fritzel. She tells police that Fritzel raped her and forced her to watch pornographic videos and then made her reenact them in front of her children to humiliate, <gasps> humiliate her. Um. So I don't shortly, know why I find that especially egregious, but I do. Yeah, yeah. So shortly after midnight, police complete their investigation and they arrest Fritzel on um, April 26th on suspicion of crimes against family members. Yay! So during the night of April 27th, Elizabeth and her children and her mother, Rosemarie, are taken into care. Police said Joseph told investigators how to enter the basement chamber through a small hidden door opened by a secret keyless entry code um, and that he admits that Rosemary had been unaware of anything that was happening to Elizabeth. Um, on April 29th, it was announced that DNA evidence confirmed that Fritzel was the biological father of all of the daughter's children, um, of all of Elizabeth's children. His defense lawyer... Oh, I don't even want to know. I have never... I've never wanted to to kill a defense attorney, like because I know oh, that their job. I have this week. If you've watched any oh, of the Derek yeah. Chauvin trial, I oh I yeah, fucking can't with that dude. Um, I hope he gets run over by a bus. This guy might make him look make might make him look better. Mm-hmm. Um, he says all the DNA test proves is incest. Um, you still have to prove that it's rape. You can't prove she didn't want it. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we, you can, you, you, you definitely, you, you can. Right. Also, like, can we just talk about how lucky they are that their children didn't have like major deficits? Right. Right. And by they, uh, I mean him, how lucky he is that he got away with this for so long because he managed to not pass along some fucking weird ass gene genetic not mutation that, oh, right god oh god i hate it um so 
Austrian police said that Fritzl had forced Elizabeth to write a letter the previous year um, that indicated then that he might have been planning to release the children. The letter said that she wanted to come home, but, quote, it's not possible yet. Police believe that Fritzl was planning to pretend to have rescued his daughter from her cult. So Is he was like going to come back Munchausen to hero. Thing? Yeah, except that, like, it's like Munchausen's by proxy. Yeah, is it like a Munchausen's by proxy? Like, but Colchelsen's uh, by proxy. Everyone's heard I of it. I don't know. <laughs> God, this is so fucked up. Um, this this is probably the most fucked up case we've ever done. Also, I'm drunk now, so good. <laughs> When police began investigating the cellar, they said that what they found was beyond atrocious. Um, that he had a new... Let's see. Doo, 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 doo. <clears throat> okay, so he had he had applied for a permit to build an extension with a basement to mm-hmm. their house. So the the basement was legally built... Um, but then well, they're like, on top of all the other shit, at least he built the basement <laughs> legally. Permit, God right? damn it! But then police were like, "But he illegally enlarged the room by excavating it, and it's like, yeah, yeah, by making his his <laughs> daughter, who he was holding captive, and her kids dig it out dig by it out their hands. Their that hands. is not legal, right? They're I like, like, ma'am, we're happy we saved you, but also like you, yeah, expect you it's violated like building codes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Listen, Barbara's real mad at you right now. <laughs> also, um, your dad didn't pay, f- didn't apply for the tulips that he planted. So, like, yeah. you also yeah. have to deal with that. Like, rip those out, please. <laughs> so, um, Debbie across the th- uh, across the street finds them to be especially heinous. So, Fuck you. I hate all these people and I hate Austria. Okay. So around 1981 or 82, according to the police statement, Fritzl started to turn his hidden cellar into a prison cell and installed a wash basin, toilet, bed, hot plate, and refrigerator. In 1983, That's he added... That's not what prison is. <laughs> right? In 1983, he added more space by creating a passageway to a pre-existing basement under the old part of the property, which he only, which only he knew about. So they were like, there was the new side of the building and the old side of the building. And he like connected them by the secret passageway. No. Um, so the, just the, I found all this interesting when I wrote it down. It's not interesting now, but that was the middle of me teaching. No, it was like, it was like the dimensions of stuff. We don't care about all that. So after his arrest, Fritzl claimed that his behavior toward his daughter didn't constitute rape because it was consensual. And his defense attorney forwarded extracts from the minutes of his talks with his client to the Austrian Weekly News for publication. According to these statements... I'm Fritz- sorry. Does he think that there's going to be anyone who reads his story and is like, that's legit. Yeah. Feel for that guy. Well, so here's the weirdest part. His defense attorney forwards these minutes to the news for publication. And in these statements, Fritzl says, quote, I always knew 
during the whole 24 years that what I was doing was not right, that I must have been crazy to do such a thing, yet it became a normal occurrence to lead a second life in the basement of my house. And we're like, no, dude, that's not, I mean, like, that's a little crazy, but that's not the crazy thing we're talking about here. No. Like, also, you're not living a second life in the basement. You're a fucking weirdo <laughs> and a creep. And you're disgusting and you're definitely sick. And also, I hate you. So in an interview with Joseph, he insisted that the purpose of the confinement was to save his daughter. No. Quote, since her puberty, Elizabeth stopped doing what she was told and she didn't follow my rules anymore. She would spend all night at the bar and come home smelling of alcohol and smoking. I hate when I smell of smoking. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've I've been in bars before it was illegal to smoke inside a bar. Uh-huh. And I don't like to smell like that. But also, fuck off. I tried to save her. I gave her a job as a waitress, but sometimes she skipped work. So the the clear solution is to lock her the fuck up in a cell so that I basically dug out. she acted like every other 18 year old girl that ever existed ever in the whole wide world. And he was like, mm. yeah, listen, we can't be having that. Okay. Listen, my dude, just no. Joseph also said his daughter had tried to run away from home twice before and hang out with, I wonder why people with questionable moral standards. What stick are you measuring by? I mean, it's not that amoral to lock your daughter in a basement and father seven children with her. Right? That's why I had to create a place where I gave her the opportunity to get away from the evil influences of the outside world. Instead, I just subjected her to the evil of the inside world. Yeah, instead I just subjected her to the crazy evil that goes on in my brain. I probably saved her a lot of pain. I hate him. Um, he also said that his desire to have sex with his daughter increased to where he could no longer control himself. Nope. No, um, it's, no. It's not, it's not his fault. Oh, it is. Because I feel like as a father, and you can, you're a dad now, you can help me with this i feel like as a father i feel like the first time you think about having sex with your kid is when you're like i need to call someone yeah yeah a therapist a priest an exorcist someone an old priest and a young priest because you need yeah. both for an exorcism i just feel like that that very first thought you're like "Ooh, that's not that's if you not know right. any shaman with white sage like literally anyone at this point Jesus Christ. Oh my um, God. And then he said, I gave her a washing machine in 2002 so she didn't have to wash her clothes by hand. <laughs> Great. Great. We celebrated birthdays and Christmas. I even smuggled a Christmas tree down there and cakes and gifts. I just brought this pillow over here so I can scream into it and um 
Fritzel also admits that decades underground without sunshine or medical or dental care had caused a profound effect on his daughter's health. You Quote, don't say. Elizabeth remains strong. She never complains. Even as her teeth slowly rot and come out of her mouth one by one. <laughs> she suffers day and night with unbearable pain and can't sleep, he said. Because of you! Because of you! So, oh when God. police asked about his original letter that showed intent to free them, he said it's because he was getting old and he knew that he could no longer care for his second family in the basement. <laughs> the plan was, Elizabeth and the kids will explain that they were being kept in a secret place by a sect. They betrayed me sooner than I expected because of the trouble with Kirsten. They betrayed me. Uh-huh. You have got to be shitting me. What in the ever-loving fuck? Fritzel said in his interview that he understood the anger felt by outsiders about his crimes <laughs> and told that inmates in a prison in the Austrian city of St. Polten once banged the walls of his cell and shouted, Satan, we will kill you. As they should. Yep. So he said, I only want one thing now, and that is pegging for what I did. So the court sentenced him to life in prison. Cool. Bye, bitch. Um, so meanwhile, Elizabeth... Re tried to return to normal life in late of two thousand in late two thousand eight, um, after she and her I mean, children. Is that even recovered. possible? No. Um, so some of the things they did, they gave her a new house in what's called Village X. So nobody knows where she is now or her new name. Like they've given her a new identity. Nor they, should they leave her alone. Right. Let her live her life. Um, leave her alone. They um hid her from media. They've let her live this new life normally. Not only does she live with this new identity, but she lives in an anonymous village known as Village X. Nobody calls her Miss Fritzel. She Good. is reportedly living in a two-story house under CCTV surveillance and police patrols on every corner. Um, Kirsten was in a medically induced coma for five months while she recovered from her illness. But doctors Good. said at the time that she'd make a full recovery and that was the last current information i could find on her so i think she did make a full recovery um the relationship between the upstairs children um and the downstairs children so the that's kind of how they were divided up by the media um so kirsten stefan and felix being the downstairs children and the upstairs being lisa right. monica alexander they finally like it took them a long time to build a relationship but it is the understanding of of the general public that they have improved and that they have built a relationship now. Um, That's great. The I can imagine children... that that was really fucking difficult for everyone involved. Uh huh. I imagine there's a a, a a bit of survivors type guilt on one side and a bit of uh -huh. jealousy on the other side and and a lot of misunderstanding about how everyone's living. Like I can imagine that that was really fucking hard. So I'm yes. so glad. So um, the upstairs children 
it was reported found it very difficult to call Elizabeth mom. Um, but what was more problematic, of course, was Elizabeth's relationship with her mother, Rosemarie, because she could never really believe that Rosemarie didn't know what was going on with Joseph. Um, I mean, that would be hard for me, too. Right. So it was revealed later that Elizabeth and her children were more pro- traumatized than previously thought because they did go through extensive counseling mm-hmm. right after they were saved. But then it was just found that they needed a lot more and kind of some lifelong counseling, obviously, yeah. obviously. I mean, I need lifelong counseling yeah, and I didn't same. Go I'm like also this. in lifelong counseling and nothing like this happened to me. So um, during captivity, Kristen tore her hair out in clumps and was reported to have shredded her dresses before stuffing them in the toilet. Oh, God. Um, oh, that was, like, during her first, like, freedom after captivity, I mean. Like, when they were, when they were kind of being held and it, when they were figuring out where Village X would be. Um, Stefan could not walk properly because he was 5'8", but the clearance of the cellar was 5'6", so he developed, like, a hunch through the whole thing. So he's had to go through extensive physical therapy to correct that. What? And I cannot stress this enough. The fuck? Uh-huh. Everyday occurrences such as the dimming of lights or closing of doors bring give Kirsten and Stefan and Elizabeth anxiety attacks. Sure. Um, the other three children um, are still in counseling because of the like like you mentioned the kind of survivor's guilt and the anger and resentment of their father um just kind of of the dual life and the man that raised them not being the man that they thought he was i know Um, about that not to this extent but i do know in late in late july 2008 it emerged that elizabeth ordered her mother rosemarie out of the house that they shared um Elizabeth was upset about Rosemary's passiveness during her upbringing. And I mean, so I don't blame her. Right. I mean, I know it's not Rosemary's fault, but I don't blame her for being angry. Right. Um, so let's see. Do, 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 do. In March of 2009, Elizabeth and her children were forced to move out of the family's first hideaway home and had to return to the psychiatric clinic where um, medical staff had to heal them. Like, medical staff had to work to redo everything that they had done over the past year because um, a paparazzo, a British paparazzo broke into her house and started taking pictures. He'd figured out the location of Village X and broke into her house and started taking pictures of her. What a fucking asshole. Um, so since the trial, workers have filled in the cellar with concrete. The house yeah. was sold for 160,000 euros in December of 2016. And the buyers voiced their intention to gut the building and convert the whole thing into apartments. Um, basically start over with it um and so here you go in may of 2017 joseph fritzel changed his name to joseph mayerhoff because of Dude, a prison, aren't you in prison 
Yes. So Who he changed. Who person change their name? Be- well, they said it was okay because he got into a prison fight in which several of his teeth got knocked the fuck out by other inmates who had set up a fake dating profile with his name and picture. (coughs) Why is he on a date? He's in prison. Why is he dating? Um, And as I recall, I didn't put it in my notes, but one of the sources I saw basically the the dating profile his like his name on it was <laughs> daughter fucker um because the prisoners were after him and every time he'd come around they would trip him and just do whatever they could and so um he came swinging after the one he thought set up the profile and instead i not want to encourage murder but also if this guy died by the hands of other prisoners i wouldn't be mad i'll testify in your defense allegedly (laughs) rapists and child molesters don't do well in prison in any prison like they they just don't like I mean, no Not one that, should do right. prison, but... <laughs> right. There's a, a different kind of justice that is doled there that's like... Yeah. yeah, definitely. Anyway, so a British journalist who interviewed Fritz and, Fritzl in his cell said that he has shown no remorse for his crimes. He recalls that when Fritzl asked, like... Or when Fritzl was asked... um, You know, do you think that what you did was as egregious as the world sees it or something, you know, that effect Fritzl said, you should look in the cellars of other people. You might just find other families and girls down there. I mean, maybe, but probably a lot less than you think. Right. So that doesn't mean what you did was okay. Right. Um, so the so last other people are also completely fucked up. The last piece of information I could find, like the most current, said that in April of 2019, it was reported reported that Joseph's health was declining, and that he did not want to live anymore. Aww. Oh, I feel so bad for him. I know it must I be mean, so except rough. That I don't at all. <laughs> not even a little. Right? Get fucked, my dude. So, um, that was terrible. Yeah. And next week we are watching the true story of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. (laughs) Next week we're watching the Care Bears. (laughs) Um, I think it's time... Erin, I'm just going to say it right the now. Barbie movie. I think it's time that you and I watch Salt and Peppa. We were we were putting it on. Yes, I think it's yes, a good it time. To time. Salt yes, Peppa. it is time for Salt and Peppa. Yes, like we will do we that. Need it after this, that week. movie came out in January. I've been waiting for it. We have been pushing it off until we needed a break, and we need a break. So next week we're going to do Salt and Peppa for sure. Thank God. Oh my God. <laughs> the story is a horrible 
I would, uh huh. I would like to not yeah. research that one again. Tell me about a book you're reading that's not about this case. Um, well, I'm reading um, Girl in the Basement 2. It's no, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Um, it's actually Electric Bungalow. Um, <laughs> it's about some millennials in Austin who have electrified their cellar door. Uh, I mean, that tracks. <laughs> I, right? I mean, just so many things. I actually have not read a lot this week because, um, as you know, I've done a lot more writing and then artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and awesome. so... What has suffered is my reading time. What? So I did this I picture of a fruit book. in a plastic bag. You did. You have to look it's at lovely. it again, even though I've, I've sent it to you it. four times now. Do you see? Do you I'm see it on the screen book. right now? I do. Look, I do. I'll put it I closer do. so you can, can see. Can it. I, okay. Um, I'm reading a book called The Ballerinas by Rachel Kapelke Dale. It's an arc that I got off NetGalley. Let's see. When does it come out? Mm. Heidi King. Hold on. <laughs> but I've been reading that. I've been trying to read the other um, book that I what was my other book of the month pick. That oh, So this book comes out in December of 2021. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to finish up my other one, the Too Good to Be True, and um, just in general, get a lot more done because wow, I feel that. Um, yeah, I've got to catch I got up my second COVID vaccine this month or this week on Thursday. Did it make you feel like shit? Because mine did. Yes, I actually took off Friday because I felt like fucking shit. So that's right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. yeah i just i got well and it's funny like i got like really bad chills so yeah um i got really bad chills i had like a low gray fever and i just kind of felt like crappy like it wasn't yeah. even like oh i feel sick it was just like i just feel gross and i don't want to do anything right but i'm done um, fully vaccinated bitches nice i will <laughs> say um i guess it was two weeks ago the or last week i don't know the last member of our group of friends was able to get her first vaccine um which means that in just a few weeks she'll be fully vaccinated and i just cried like ugly cried yeah fran was able to get hers library workers counted as essential workers like three weeks ago ish so it was Um, lid that was last it's anna oh it was anna okay yeah anyways Uh, all of our young friends that have no cares in the world and no illnesses (laughs) right Right. they're young and healthy and and beautiful and um they're not quite so jaded as you and i are Mm -hmm. um but also have no comorbidities like my high blood pressure and weight that qualified me early um, you would think being a teacher in public school would have been an essential no, worker situation. No, 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 they're like, listen, no. children only cough and your, your children only take their masks off to sneeze. So I don't know why you're that upset. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, know, but, like we're all going to be vaccinated. We're all going to get to see each other this summer. I know. I just ugly cried. Like, 
I'm so happy. It seemed like there wasn't an end in sight. And now for so many people, there there finally is. Um, And I am just... Everyone in my family has gotten at least their first. Going for their second. I have to say I'm surprised at that. My aunt today texted me saying um, she's ready to get her second one because she's been trying to buy a house in Maine like a summer house in Maine for like eight months and she hasn't been able to do it because she can't travel. And I was like, by the way, like if I, I need to know about the summer house in Maine, cause maybe next year we can use that. Yeah, so We'll go to the Jersey shore and then we'll go up to Maine. It'll be no, fun. no joke. Um, Maine is my dream place. Like I want to oh, have God. a second home in Maine. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm just going to go up there and eat all the seafood. Well, there are, the largest concentration of working artists in America is in Maine. Like they have the most working artists per capita. And I think it's just because it's so beautiful. And also because it's so cold in the winters that they can't do anything else but paint all winter long. But the landscape lobster. is so inspiring. Right. How can you not be inspired with lobster? The lobster. I That's what we need it. on a shirt. <laughs> how can you not be inspired also, when lobster no i just feel like we need a shirt that just says also, also lobster. Lobster. <laughs> oh man oh no all right well um i'm gonna try to remember where people can hey, find like us. thanks oh. for sticking with us through this yes what a wreck like i had to get drunk so i don't know what y'all have been doing <laughs> i hope everyone's drunk we should have, hey, pretend this is the beginning of the episode and we're telling you to go get drunk before you listen. Go get drunk. Because <laughs> I'm not going to remember to edit and put it at the beginning. So oh, just pretend no. we took care of you. <laughs> it was so bad. Um, well, if you would like to follow us on social media, you Please can find do. us. We're a, we're on a hoot and a half. We got like 160 new followers on Facebook in the past month. Like I don't I don't know what's happening. I don't know if they're real. I'm not questioning it. It makes me feel good. Um listen, just those little shots of serotonin real quick. Those little dopamines. I need them all. Um yeah, so you same. can find us at facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. Uh-huh. You can find us on Twitter at um at life sentence pod. You can mm-hmm. find us on Instagram at Lifetime Sentence. Mm-hmm. You can join us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash Lifetime Sentence. I yes. just talked about an attempted coup in Spain. Um, I did. And next week, I'm going to I'm gonna rivet you with the story of I don't know yet. Um, that's, she's actually just reading my um, memoir. I finally finished it. Uh, I don't know yet. I don't Paul know Adam's yet. Story. That's... <laughs> That's a great memoir title. TM, 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 TM. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then let's see, did I miss anything? Oh, TikTok. I will be reviving TikTok. It, TikTok. I so I had to just kind of take a social media cleanse while I was kind of in some depression. Um, because I didn't want to get to as dark a place as I had been. Um, mm. and I know that social media contributes to that. Yeah. Um, but I'm back and I have actually scripted about eight tick uh true crime Tuesdays for that. If you so, want to follow us on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash lifetime sentence. I said that one already. 
I, I thought. Think you did. I think oh, you I just mentioned people following us. Oh, Facebook. well. If you also, if you want to follow us on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com/slash lifetime sentence. Um, and email us. Lifetime sentence podcast at gmail.com because I forgot the new or, one I said at podcast at lifetime sentence.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can just go to our website and, be like, and click the button that says email us. Listen, hey, and my. Like, I'm still waiting for one person to email us because no one has. <laughs> it's only salespeople. Right. Listen, my. um Oh, my blog finally started getting those kinds of emails this week, too. Oh, um, congrats. And- Thank you. And it evolved just a little bit. So I just wanted to give you um, a, a little bit of um, titillating. Great. Did I delete it? The, the title of the email just said like, plucky reader and XXX. And I was like, that is the content I'm here for. You should make that into a t-shirt. <laughs> plucky reader after dark. Um, so, all right. Well, find us on all the socials and, um, we love you a lot. We mean it. Rate, Um, review, and subscribe, please. Yes, please. And, um, without a doubt, the most important commandment I give to you today on this Easter Sunday, even though you won't hear it till Wednesday is don't forget to eat your vegetables. Charge your phone. Bye. Bye.